0: Welcome to Think Big for Africa podcast. On this podcast, we will bring you interesting conversations with local, national, and international African leaders from all works of life, home and abroad. Leaders who are doing their bits to progress Africa's development. Conversation topics will range from education, science, health, leadership, politics, business, and many other global issues. Conversations about everything that concerns Africa's development. Africa has so many wonderful achievers worldwide. And this is exactly what we will bring to you on Think Big for Africa podcast. Stay tuned.
1: nice to see you Isaac
0: nice to see you
1: good yeah. good good so let's start start this um you see um i'm happy to talk to you today uh i was uh i was uh, intrigued when i saw your podcast so i said "Ooh, yeah i like uh, a young african doing something like i'm doing so i need to, I, I really want to talk to you you know, so, so do do this for me, uh, introduce yourself to my audience and tell them what, sh- what you do.
2: Okay, my name is Isaac Noabua, and I'm a young entrepreneur. I think that's what I want to think. I am. Yes, you are. You are. <laughs> and you
0: are.
2: Um, yeah, I think when I, I find it very difficult to describe myself because it's very difficult to, you know, Meet new audiences and kind of condense the entirety of your life, which is basically who you are, right? <laughs>
0: it's
2: a very difficult do, but I would like to think that I'm somebody who is a thinking individual and I'm uh, committed to solving problems. That's yep. how I like to. In the framework of the conversation we have, yes. obviously that doesn't do the good job of summarizing yeah, the entirety uh, of my don't being. Don't worry,
1: don't yeah. worry. Uh, throughout this uh, conversation, you you need to you describe yourself more as we talk about th- different things you know see yeah. yeah i i i when i looked at your profile on linkedin i saw that uh when we were in in university you started uh uh you founded a stop start, startup what, what what was it about
2: actually when i was in university my my linkedin profile has been on updated for some time so okay. i have to work on that but my i started three companies in the university. Wow, that is very unlikely, yeah. That's very unlikely for somebody from my background because um, when you hear me speak, when you hear me dare to do some of the things you do, you think, oh, this guy, he comes from a certain kind of family that allows you to do that, I don't. In fact, I I come from the very opposite direction, but um, it just takes audacity, right? And um, a certain stubbornness, to do some of the things that I think I dare to do, but yes, I did. I started three um, startups, companies, okay. small companies uh, on university. So I went for this program after the first year of my education in the university, and I was the youngest. I went to a lot of programs where I was the youngest, and in this program, we were basically helping other companies, right? So we're kind of business associates, business consultants for other companies, and it was a comp- it was a program funded by Defit. And um, it was started by challenges worldwide. So people from the UK came to Ghana and they they partnered with us, they were usually students who were in their final years or master's students. And I was a first year student at the time. And I was the only person involved. The other Ghanaians were all final year students stuff like that. And I got to help a small business from the training I got. And I liked the experience. I liked that I was thinking, I was like that I was being engaged. So I came up from that experience thinking, I'm going to start a business myself. So even though I had nothing, even though I had nothing, to be honest with you, I think that I wagered some of my, um, my second year um, school fees, which was basically nothing um, because for me again, from the place that I come from, getting the school fees usually even is a hassle. So it's a difficulty to do that, but I wager part of it with my friend to start a smoothie business. And we sold sold smoothies and juices and popcorn at campus um, events. And I had never made a smoothie before. I didn't even know that. I didn't know what. I never knew how to make a smoothie. I never knew how to make a popcorn. I always tell people that I watch a two-minute YouTube video. And I started making the best popcorns on campus. That was it. And so it just drew me. And then I started a, a marketing communication company. And then my final year... We went into greenhouse farming and all of that. So, yes, that's wow. a little about wow.
1: Way. See, On that day. that's fantastic. Well, I, I would like to correct something you said. You see, you say from your background, see, entrepreneurs come from different backgrounds. In fact, in fact, the people who are comfortable in life who who has Almost everything they want, don't start businesses. Right? Most of the entrepreneurs are people from, let me use the word in quotes, somehow difficult backgrounds. Where, because as an entrepreneur, you are, you are solving a problem that people have okay if you come from a a privileged background you don't see the problems that people have okay so you 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 most entrepreneurs solve problems that they have that people they know have that their community has and then they say okay let me fix this let me look at it and fix it and that's how they start Okay, so most, see, in the West, for example, if you look at the the amount of entrepreneurs that people know, check them out, okay? A lot of them are immigrants, okay? Including Mr. Mox. Okay, he's an immigrant. Yeah. Okay, but I mean,
0: yeah,
2: uh, Elon Musk comes from yeah. So you see, I think that I I I agree with you to some part. But the truth is that even the, the most popularized of entrepreneurs that we see them right, and we like to ascribe a certain kind of hardship to their backgrounds. But when you look into the lines, it's not always the same. It's no, not no. always the case. No, it's much more difficult. It's much more difficult doing. Like for example, um, while Elon Musk and Elon Musk is one of my favorite in the internet, while Elon Musk has struggled to build his business because the truth is that just for the fact of going against the tide to build an electric car in the time that he did,
1: every every entrepreneur, company, every entrepreneur struggle to build something. Even exactly, even, even, exactly. even Mr. Uh, What's his name, uh, uh, Bezos? Okay, yeah. to build what what he, what, he, what, what he has has been a struggle okay yes. now now maybe m- most of us who are outsiders who are not, who have not been entrepreneurs think wow he's so fabulous because we only started hearing about him when he has made it okay we never knew him when he was struggling. Okay. Even, uh, uh, what was his name? Mr. Microsoft. Yes. Yeah. His, his, his parents was, one of his parents was a university professor, professor, I think. But, yes, he wasn't, he wasn't struggling. But, he solved a problem that people in his community had. Yeah. Okay. The, 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 I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree. Where I'm coming from
2: is that um, the, 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 the process of building a company, any company, and I think it's the reason why I kind of, but is might be one of the most difficult things you can ever do in the world. Yeah, because of course. Because there's a certain kind of uncertainty around it. Usually. And usually when there's an, an, an amount of uncertainty in something, there is difficulty in predicting the rate of success. So for example, there is not even replicability in entrepreneurs. For example, somebody can start a business today, succeed and start a business tomorrow and fail because in the dynamics of the 2D resources, the formulas are not all the same. So it's a very difficult and that I want to admit, but I'm just saying that the people that we put, right? It's beyond, for example, it's beyond just money, right? is relationships, etc. cetera. Like, um, I'll come back to this maybe, but if we explore that, um, I came to London for the first time in 2019. I came for a global business competition. Um, before that, we had won a regional competition in Malaysia, all of that. We came, we competed against students from Oxford and Harvard and all the best universities. And we were at the top, we were really among the best of them, right? And I came and it changed my perspective. I was like, I want to move and I want to do more. And I want to start a technology business. And I did start a technology business, even though I had nothing. But when it got to the time of fundraising for it, I didn't anticipate how difficult it's going to be. And the reason (laughs) is everybody finds it difficult to raise funds, but it's exceptionally difficult, right? If it's more difficult. And that's, I think the fact, if You have nobody who has done it before that you ever know. You are not from a community of people who have done it before, or you don't know anybody that can recommend you. So you have to build it like people for a very long time. And that's a good thing. That's something that I, that's a burden I'm willing to take. I always tell people around me that I want to take the burden of working so hard so that I can build the reputational value that others can use. Because I don't have to, I don't have that, right? I don't have the reputational value of say, a work that a relative did. And then they can say, wow, your relative did this and based on that. And that is very important. It's not even about just money or finances, right? So that makes it very difficult, very difficult for someone who has none of these leverages and leverage comes in in different forms from someone who has none of these leverages because I have studied a pattern to validate what I'm trying to say. Most people don't become billionaires from poor backgrounds, for example. It's a very difficult thing to do. Very, 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 very few people that I know in the top 100 billionaires have done that. For most people, wealth building is a multi-generational process. So it is more easier for the first generation to move from, say, first generation that they have college education to move from that stage into a few hundreds of thousands
1: where okay, and let then me, the next generation, is if, their if, wife now. Okay, let, 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 let me ask on them. Max mm-hmm. was his parents millionaires.
2: Yes. So Elon Max'
1: oh, parents. Oh, hold on. They were millionaires. Were they, Just yes or no. What were they millionaires? I can't say
2: for a fact, but his parents. Um, Owned Emerald Mountains in South Africa.
1: Those yeah. are that. Yeah. Owning so, the mining Hold is on, the hold on, hold on. Yeah, so they're rich, okay? His, his father was rich, okay? Mm-hmm. Mr. Bezos, was it from a millionaire family? I can't say for a certain, but I know that he Mr. had... Mr., Mr., his parents M- give M- me $100,000. Mr. Mr., Mr. Uh, Microsoft, was it from a... A wealthy family, Mister Miss. The the top, two, if mi, you are, mi, no, the I two, don't think you are getting my
2: point. See, if, if you, if your parents, if your parents are college professors, and the other is a, is in the medical profession, in the United States, even you are in the top fifteen percent, or you are probably from the you are in the top twenty percent of people who are doing well. If my point is that it's difficult. For example, if you are an, among the the bottom five percent. It's just a, a thing. It's no. difficult for somebody who grew up in the in the in the rural in a rural place in Rwanda to be able to succeed. It's just the fact of life. That. That's well, what I think. Though. Well,
1: see, I I agree that success in entrepreneurship is difficult, and it should be okay mm-hmm. because you are trying to solve a problem. That has been there that nobody else has solved okay so the solution cannot be so easy otherwise the rest of the people must have been so dumb that they couldn't solve it okay (laughs) oh isaac that's it see and that's why people who can solve problems will We applaud them, okay? Now, for me and for you, we want young Africans to start looking to solve our problems. No matter how hard it is, we need to do it, all right? It doesn't matter how hard it is, we need to do it doesn't matter if you are you live in a village okay in your community in your village there are problems that only you who knows the problems can attempt to solve it now yes you need to it's good if you know how to collaborate all right maybe you are in a village you want to solve a problem that affects the village and two or three other villages around you you provide a solution and you need help and you talk to your cousin in the city who know one or two people see it's all about collaboration okay so uh, I, I want to encourage young people who are problem solvers. Um, no, I, that's, why, I, why, that's why I'm so happy that you are, okay? But I, I, I want you to take it as a challenge, right? No, no matter mm-hmm. how difficult it is. See, it, it's, yeah. it's the difficulty that when you finally succeed, Will carry you above the shoulder that, hey, Isaac did it. So that's it, you know? (laughs) So, So, I I mean, I agree
2: with your perspective around that. And I think,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, Isaac, so you host the Change Africa podcast,
0: right?
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. So, tell my audience about it. Uh, what the, what why a podcast in the first place? Uh, the focus uh, the the, the, the fo- focus is, is on Africa, on changing Africa. Uh, what do you discuss on the podcast? Do you have guests? You know, tell tell us about it. Tell us about it as much as possible. So um, I I like to say that fundamentally I'm a
2: conversationalist and. I I I like exploring I, I, ideas. I like argument. Many people have a very different perception about argumenters. Um they think that to say that you like arguments means that you are a rabble rust you like to cause chaos. But fundamentally, <laughs> arguments argument is the foundation of, of thinking. If you're going to take a decision, you argue with yourself first before you even take it. So this is like. If you can't argue, you can't think. That's what I, my perspective of life is. I agree with you. I always want, yeah, I always want to be thinking and that involves arguing. Like if you go to a philosophy class, the process of thinking is all argumentation. They teach you those foundations and those thought pieces. And so logic. I am that person. Yeah, I'm one person who can say that I like that process of engaging myself in reasoning and thought. And you can't do that alone. It is more successful when you have other people who you can think with, who you can ask questions with. So I'd I say that doing a podcast is an extension of that argumentative conversationalist self of mine. And I am interested in knowing people, knowing their thoughts, knowing their opinions and knowing how they have succeeded in solving problems because That is what education is, right? If you go back to um, the stats of civilization as we know of it, the people who um, built the foundation of thoughts and reason, the Socrates Aristotle, they were not in institutionalized academies like schools that we have right now, like not in the form that we see it, right? They were in sort of mentorship groups where this person stayed under the wings of that person yeah and they talked with them they talked with them even if you are a christian for example you can see that um what we see in the bible as jesus and his disciples and fellowship is basically one person and a bunch of people following him and asking questions so if we think about it that way what we are doing is just more than some people just talking. It's really an education that we're giving, at least if you are intentful about it that way. And so that's how I think about that. And that's what the podcast seems to do, right? To educate people to the basic and framework of conversations. And why Africa, obviously, because I'm very passionate about it. And I feel like we are blessed in um, a continent that has a lot of resources. Obviously, that's the challenges. And so we have to find ways of doing that my perspective on the conversation on Africa is, do we have people who have already succeeded in doing some things and how do we tell their stories and how do we move away from just the hero play game, but actually go into the inside of their lives, the decisions they make, how they think about the current problems that we have, what they are doing about it, what is happening in those frameworks, what can we do better and kind of dissect um, the fields and industries they are, and bring that to the fore. So that is what the podcast really is about. So it's a one-hour conversation-style podcast with uh, myself and my co-host, Daniel. And we bring guests on the podcast across the intersection of business, um, leadership, um, culture, um, arts. And we just dissect their thinking, their mindset, and how they are contributing to the growth of
1: Africa. Wow. Isaac, I... See me smiling. I (laughs) love. I love what you just told me. You say, yes. uh, Ah, one of the things we, a lot of a lot of, us. Don't like. Is a debate. Okay. A lot of us do not like a debate. And uh, following my many debates, I found out that people think a debate is about one group shouting at the other group and the other group shouting back. No, that's that's not a debate. A debate is you telling your side of an issue, and the other tell their own side of the issue to help you come up with a common understanding of the issue. And because of that mis- uh, mis- misinterpretation of it, what the debate is, we are not taking advantage of our knowledge, our common knowledge exactly. because, because, I, because many of us are so uh, don't even want to debate. Okay? See, uh, I like the fact that you you are very interested in doing this and I think it's something we need to help young people to understand that this is fundamental to the development of Africa. Because, like you said, argument with yourself helps you to clarify your own thoughts. Exactly. Okay. And for me, I do a lot of debate with myself, a lot. And uh, in the last 10 years, I've, uh, there's so many, there are so many positions in, in life that I have today that are totally different 10 years ago. Okay. But I was, uh, I was fortunate to have time on my hand to, to, to stay alone in my room for a long time, for a long, for so many years, debating so many issues with myself. And uh, now I'm out and I want to debate those same issues with other people. Exactly. So what you're doing is fantastic. And I think uh, we need to bring Other people to defer, you know. Unfortunately, yes, after we talk, we talk to ourselves, we also need to get more information from people who know more on this matter. And many of them are written books, so we need to read those books to update our own knowledge and then. We debate the issue with ourselves and then we debate this issue with other people now unfortunately, we as Africans we don't read
2: yeah unfortunate I think you bring you bring up a very good point about reading um, because I always say this that. To have any kind of success in life, I fundamentally think that there are three things that you need to be good at. You need to be able to read, you need to to be able to speak well, and you need to be able to write well. And all of those three things they build the foundations of thought. Like you just said, reading allows you to accumulate knowledge that has been passed on over time. and other people's world view thoughts. So reading can be a medium of travel, for example. For a very long time before I traveled, right, I knew a lot of things about different parts of the world because I was actively engaged in the frameworks and the talks and thinking of other people that are in different places. So travel, not even in the geographical sense, but in in a lot of different ways, right? You have to travel in the thought space of other people, which Mm -hmm. is a very beautiful experience. Then think, thinking, coming to um, the ability to write. Because when you are writing, right, You one of the things about writing, is, it's a very interesting thing about writing, is that writing gives you the pause. Yeah, It gives you the pause to be able to gather your thoughts. And so, for example, if you're somebody who writes, you realize that, you don't go as fast in writing as you would in your normal thoughts that yep. is you pause see what is happening here and even if you took time to rush through it when you are reading it again you get to re-argue with yourself and you see that and so it's a very very important skill and then obviously it comes to the ability to communicate those things that you have read and written to other people which yeah. it comes in speaking so i think that anybody who's listening to it if like there were three things that you could do in life. I think that's the thing. You need to be able to be an avid reader, be someone who can write well and speak well. And I found that most people can do those things. They generally have a certain like, a level of success in life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the, the these three things: reading, writing, and what was it what was the third one? Speaking. 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 Are things yeah. we need to encourage. Our people to do starting starting with self thought okay exactly. okay and then follow up the, follow that up with gathering more information because to me there is nothing new under the sun okay so exactly. anything anything you want to delve into somebody somewhere has delved into it it before and all you need to do is to find those people find their books pick up the book read the books Hey, it makes things a lot easier okay so we need to encourage our young people to read and when we read then the argumentation will be more structured because exactly because you're your, yeah, your not coming own, from ignorance, please. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Your your arguments, you, 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 you refer to this person thinks says this. This person says this. I agree with this. I don't agree with this. And, and, and I, this I is why. Yeah. Okay. So I, I've seen that, uh, unfortunately, people who don't read, when they debate with people who do, they get angry
0: <laughs> they get
1: angry because the other person can speak their mind and then back it up with this person that person that person and then the other 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 side has only me okay now we we like 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 we said earlier the foundation of, for me, for me, maybe I'm wrong, but I think the foundation of our development is on the path of knowledge, education. You're not
2: wrong, I don't think you're wrong. Okay, uh, I don't think you're wrong. What I'd like to say to that is that we just need to rethink what education is. It, mm. Again, it has nothing to do with school. It has exactly. nothing to do with degree. Get a degree. That's what people get wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when you think about education, people are like, you are thinking a degree. Like, you no, know, you're not thinking about a degree. Education is something that you do every day in your life. With mm. every single knowledge that you have, you know, think about it this way. Everything that you see in the world, yeah, is you building a set of frameworks, experiences that will add to your knowledge and your worldview. Yeah. And there are two types of those things. But things that you are consciously aware of, things that you're unconsciously aware of, they are all affecting you at the same time. The mm-hmm. education is what you do with those things. Like you have the tools to select to say that this one is trash and I'm allowing <laughs> this one in. And then using that to do something, I think that's the education. Then if we have if we if if, if we reframe the mindset of people so that they can view this as the education that they need, it's better than what we have come to know as like go to school, get a degree and all of that.
1: Yeah, very, very good. Very good. Uh, you know, when, when we had a conversation uh, last week or two weeks ago, uh, you mentioned that uh, you want your podcast to be, to reflect the a Pan-African flavor. Okay. Uh, good, good. I, I I hear a lot of young Africans express the Pan-African vision. Okay. But um, I'm not sure they themselves embrace the idea in reality. Okay. Because I, I tell you, I talk, I, I communicate with a lot of uh, young Africans from across the continent. And yes, they, say, they, say, they, they speak the, 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 the word Pan-Africa, Pan-Africa all the time. But I don't really see it. I don't see that Pan-African vision in in, in, in the actions, okay? So what's your Pan-African vision and are you taking action to make it a reality?
2: Okay. I think that's a very good question. And like you say, a lot of people do a lot of talk. (laughs) I think that um, Pan-Africanism is an essentially good thing, especially in our world of economic blocks, right? Okay. Um, The reason why the UK right now is struggling, and you know this, right, is even though as great as the UK, as great as the Great Britain is, they are struggling out of an economic block, as great as the UK is. The reason is there is strength in numbers. There is just strength in numbers. And we have a shared commonality of history of ancestry that embraces us to come together to build our stance in the world, because um, we have for a very long time been marginalized and victimized. But to your question, I think that thinking Pan-African things about embracing African identity and being unapologetic about it, but more also in your actions, it's about having a vision that transcends your country and having a vision that embraced the continent at scale. For example, I try as much as possible even though like we discussed that there is an affinity of people in Ghana to want to come to my podcast, but I try as much to get different views because the people in Ghana, they already communicate with so many Ghanaians, they need to know what what other people think, right? Is the intersection of other cultures and the and the unism to, an, to a point in those things that helps us to come together. So that's a little step, at least I am taking my podcast to make sure that I bring an intersection of diverse African thoughts and truly stay African in that mindset and framework, because there are a lot of people who have gotten in touch with me and said, I want to come on your podcast. And those people are not Africans, they were white people. And I'm like, yes, you are doing is great but it doesn't serve the vision that I have. And yes, I don't have the biggest platform in the podcast in the world. And probably your story and your company or your whatever you're doing would give me traction. But as far as I'm concerned, I would take the vision that I have over whatever benefits that your audience could give to me. And so that's like a small step I'm taking. But I like to like take um, a certain framework of from it, right? Which people... Muhammad al Gaddafi which people at a point came to hate but to be truly pan-African means to be um, to be wanting more for the African continent and that means that to be ambitious beyond your country right and the reason because we are so much tied into nationality sometimes we see that as a threat but we need people who are strong and confident enough to want to aspire to that African vision, right? And those people, when you see them, you are like, maybe these people are crazy. Like how, you know, it turned out for Gaddafi, for example, but those are people who are really bold to move beyond the, yeah, we want a Pan-African um, Africa. We want a united Africa. We want an economic block, blah, blah, blah. And actually going forward, bringing countries together but it always turns out, I say, that those people have an intent to rule other people. But we need people who are saying that I want to drive innovation across the continent because we have big blocks like Nigeria. At least when it comes to population, right? If Nigeria could fix itself um, politically, it it behooves on by on, on on Nigeria in a pan-African framework to hold my mal- Malawi, even though Malawi is not in West Africa, to hold Sudan, to bring those people along with them, because that's what Kwame Nkrumah did when he he gained independence. Between the time, 1957 to 1965, before Nkrumah died, the number of countries that gained independence was as a result of the wave of Kwame Nkrumah's activism brought Guinea, brought Senegal, and, and inspire other countries like Nigeria to move forward and get, um, 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 and get independence. So that's what I think it's all about. And it, thinks, it takes audacity and to move beyond the, the thinking and go all out, like as an entrepreneur, when I am thinking about the idea, and as a Pan-Africanist in that framework, I ask myself, how does it benefit? How, what is the scalability of this throughout the continent? And I think that is a beneficial framework because most of us, we like to build for our small cities, our small towns, but the Pan-African thought is how you can immerse your thinking to affect the entire continent because the entire continent is
1: intrinsically linked together. Great, great. See, talking about, thinking about it with the way you are thinking about it, it's fantastic. Okay, uh, I think uh, commerce, economics. Uh, if we focus on that, uh, will help the countries of Africa come together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, uh, but the. The difficulty is, uh, unfortunately, uh, the kind of leaders some of our countries have. Okay, uh, that's that's a big a big issue. Uh, that's I won't I won't go, go into that on this on this
0: uh, podcast
1: on this podcast today. Uh, but see, one of the one of the biggest thing that I I see in this this drive of Pan-Africanism is something that we, most of us do not realize as true. And that is, Africa is the most diverse continent in the world. Okay, and we, see, we have maybe up to 3,000 different languages on the continent. Yes. Okay, and that that, that may be, that's maybe because we have close to 3,000 different tribes. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay. Okay. I will say this, unfortunate. we were not in the place to, uh, what's the word now? Come together, see, in civiliz- civilization, okay? People, different people meet maybe by trade or maybe a particular group of people, uh, the leaders get into their head that they want to conquer the whole region and they go on con- conquest, okay? And they conquer vast region. And then they bring them together under that one, king or ruler. And then in time, even though they were once speaking different languages, 50 different languages, in time, all of them will be speaking one language. Okay, unfortunately, Africa, by the time the European uh, colonization happened, we, we hadn't we haven't gone that far into integrating ourselves. okay? So by the time the codon- happened, we are still small small tribes speaking different languages. each each uh, tribe is, is is still so so tied with their heritage. See, I know a little bit more about uh, European history. My father was, a, was a, an European history teacher. So as a young ch- child, I have been uh, fascinated uh, by European history. I read a, a lot of it. See, yes, Europe was like that, or not as yeah. diverse, diverse, but See, conquest enabled them to come together. Okay, and now they have fewer languages, fewer tribes. Okay, because of the uh, what was the word now? For from the integ- integration. Okay, we as Africans, we haven't done our integration. See, today, I don't know how many languages languages you guys have in Ghana, but in Nigeria, we have almost three hundred.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, so that's why when it comes to politics, everybody is talking about his tribe. We're not talking about Nigeria. Yeah. So, um, let me
2: zero in on that. I think that that's a very interesting thought. Um, um, maybe a little unpopular too, but interesting. Um, so, I think that there may be a couple of things. Right. First, it is not as if that there were not potential for the coming together, even through war and conquest. Because, for example. Um, we had big big Malian Empire yeah. old Ghana Empire Shanghai those were big empires that really congregated a lot of people right but um, the fall of those empires um, I don't I don't necessarily think it's a um, it's a pre-colonial thing I don't think that we were not ready when the white people came. I think, that, for example, Ashanti Empire in Ghana was still thriving before the British rule. And if you understand Ghana's history, you understand that there's a lot of pushback in Ghana's independence from the Ashantis because they still thought of themselves as a dominant force. So that obviously um, comes together as a clash when it comes to national identity. But I agree with you on the point of national identity I think that most African countries, the reason why we have recurrence of wars, what we saw in Uganda, what we are seeing in Congo, what we see in Ivory Coast, what we see even now in the north, it is, I mean, now what you see in in Nigeria is kind of, you know, unbelievable. And the north-south dynamic, all of that is founded on a rushed independence. And I don't see that independence about it. Independence is a good thing. We should have gotten independent, all of that. However, there was not an intentionality in my viewpoint around um, the building of a nation. So we have a lot of countries, we don't have a lot of nations in Africa. We have a lot of countries, we don't have a lot of nations because, because of that particular diversity you talked about, there had to be more intentionality and a lot of, a lot of egos put aside, right? and intentionally coming together to build a national identity that has a core. Most countries, and I've said this about Ghana so many times, Ghana is seemingly on a lost cause because what is what is Ghana searching for, we don't know. We don't know. Like what, what is If Ghana was an individual, what is this mission in life? We don't know. And that is something that plagues a lot of African countries. We don't have a united nation, we don't, we just don't. And we see that in allegiances to smaller tribes and all of that. And I've talked about this very deeply and I'm very concerned about it, but I feel like we lost an opportunity at independence because at that time was a reconvening of the national identity and the people who gain independence for us should have done a better job at bringing together a national identity. And it's more, much more difficult to do now, to be honest, um, because it's been a long time but if we as a people we care about our progress, we need to find a way to, to make that happen. And I'm going to draw I'm going to draw some ideas that I've thought about. That it may start with embracing some of the tribes and believing that in some weird way it will come together. So let me give you an example. I believe that democracy in Africa has, had, has its practice right now. It's just goes against the framework of the African multi-tribal ethnic um, um, dispensations that we have as countries. So we see a lot of fights for political power based on tribal ethnic allegiance. We can solve that perhaps if we decentralize our countries and bring back the power of that decentralization to the people who live in those particular cities not in the way that lagos has done like nigeria has done it in federal states even though i think i like that federal state idea more to be honest than what i, I think but we tie that to a certain kind of traditional allegiance because it's funny even people who are religious people who are christians today they still respect their chiefs they are not going to allow you to disrespect their chiefs. If you find a way to mirror that back again, so that um, there is a certain kind of accountability tied to where we come from and we are doing well where we come from. When we are building our small cities based on our tribes and all of that, I feel like then we don't feel so much pressure to gain the the, uh, the free, free power, the, the, the to become a president so that yeah, yeah. To, to fight for the power, because that's what happens. We fight for the power to come and serve our people in the end. So if we are already as a people, and this is a, a very, as you can see, it's an incomplete thought, but yeah. if we fight for our people individually, I feel like it will be easy for us to come together, and then we can build a units there. We can build
1: a unit from there, and then we have,
2: perhaps, but I really agree with your sentiment.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, Isaac, your are right? Like you said, it's an incomplete, uncomplete un- uh, thought. You see, something is something we need to, we need to continue thinking through. Okay, it's mm-hmm. it's it's not easy. Okay, it's not easy. Yeah, we need to think about it and uh, get people who have those thoughts together, come together, talk about it as extensively as possible. Okay. Now, this is just within the country. Okay. So now, exactly. Now, <laughs> take take it you, across borders. That across countries. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. See, this is this is the thing I I I I have experienced when I talk to uh, Africans from different countries. Okay. See, some people some. People from certain countries do not like you because you come from here. So mm-hmm. no, nothing you say to them will make sense just because you come from a certain country. Okay. And there are a lot of people like this. Like that, yeah. So the, the, the Pan-African vision will not happen. That's a long way yeah that's a long one. okay yeah. so see we, we 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 need but one one thing is is clear economics huh? exactly. economics but at the end of the day yeah it falls on that we yeah. will we, we solve a lot of problems okay mm-hmm. if you bring value exactly. to to let's say your your mortal enemy eh.
2: If mm-hmm. you bring value they to
1: them, oh, they are still willing to come. They will trade. They will trade with you. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. trade, trade, is the is the is the answer in this in this generation. Okay, now if people had thought about this maybe three hundred years ago, okay, they could have done some conquering huh, to, intera- <laughs> in, in, to to integrate different different tribes together. But mm-hmm. now, yeah. we can do it. Okay? It, it, exactly. it, it's... Yeah. Okay? We're more civilized. So, we need other means. And the best means, to me, is trade.
2: I agree with you. I agree okay. with you.
1: So, yeah. trade, it doesn't matter where you come from. If you bring something that somebody... Your mortal enemy wants, and you bring it with a... With a good price, they will take they will buy it, okay. Mm-hmm. And by trading together, you will be bu- building uh better relationships. So, yeah, so let's let's hope. Uh, now, the when it comes to, tra- to trade in Africa, uh, the the connection, the tra- the travel, the, the transportation is the biggest issue, yeah, okay? yeah. and supply chain. Yeah. yeah. So, see, there, there's no direct. Is how many, how many direct flights do you have from Accra to Lagos? Accra to I can't
2: can tell. I can't tell, but I'm traveling on Sunday to Rwanda, and I can tell you that it cost me okay seven hundred pounds. Okay. You see, you see that is ridiculous. Exactly is ridiculous. Exactly. For Rwanda. Yeah. Rwanda, see you know, that, that,
1: that, that 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 travel should not cost you more than two hundred dollars at most
2: i mean i mean there are cities in europe as you know that you can travel like
1: five countries see see, see, if i if i if i want to go to italy i'll go to Mm -hmm. italy through and fro maybe at a certain time 50 pounds Mm -hmm. exactly yeah yeah see these are the things that hinders that pan-african vision
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. one is that is the diversity and two the connection yeah travel so these are things we, we need to take care of before we can meaningfully start talking about pan-africanism True. otherwise we're just talking see <laughs> yeah, this is this is the reason why it, it has been talk From the sixties, a long time. (laughs) Talk, just talk, talk, talk. Mm -hmm. Unfortunate.
2: Okay, so it's it's interesting. I think that yeah, like to end on that, like you see, we need a lot of well-meaning people, Mm. right? Like you, we are just thinking about it now. We seem like we want a solution, Mm. and we seem like, I mean, we both thought about it. We we are thinking about solutions. We need a lot of well-meaning people to be doing that. And people in power to embrace that. And that is why I think that leadership is very important, right? Yeah. I think there are two things that are crucial to solving the, the big problems in Africa. Yes, mm. it's, it's obviously in a very capitalist framework, we need money and leadership. Like money and leadership. Those things are very important because, I mean, if one of our billionaires in Africa says, yo, I care about this problem so much, I'm going to be collaborating people to be building different airlines and all of that, no matter how challenging it is, we can see some progress in like people don't care so much. That's the thing. People have, I mean, it's not like they don't care at all. They just have other things they care about. Yeah. And we need people who care about it as much as probably we do to be in positions of power and influence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like we, we, we talked about earlier, uh, education is the, see, for me, I will tell you, education is is the is the joker to solve any problem. Any, okay. So, see, I've I've heard about uh, I've heard from young Africans always talking about uh, education is broken. Yes, it's, it's broken. Okay, uh, it's a it's a worldwide pro- problem. Okay, so. What do you think about our education, the way it is today? And uh, are we on the path that will take us to the destination we, we are seeking? If, if
2: the question is, are we on the path? No, we are not on the path. <laughs> uh, yes, if that's the question, then it's uh, very easy. I have worked in education for a very long time, by the way. So okay. I started working in education from 2017. So I've worked in education and I have, while I'm doing my other things, I am a very multi-potential person. So while I'm doing my other things, I'm still very engaged in other education. things. Um, so, I mean, just recently, um, I was working as a country manager for an education um, organization, all of that. So I am very constantly thinking about education. Yeah, Five things that I really want to, to change somewhere in Africa and I think those are very big problems we still need we still need to face agriculture we still need to filter our health right especially mental health in our generation I think Mm. it's a very big problem yeah we need to um look at education we need to look at technology um so like those are things that I am very passionate about um so education is very important I think that the way we think of education is just wrong. That's the thing. I, one of my favorite things to watch is a dramatism that is a, 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 a TV series that the National Geographic did around three people. It's called Genius. So, season one is Albert Einstein, season two is Pablo Picasso, season three is Arita Franklin. I've, I've, wa-
1: I've watched it, that series. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, so season one, Albert Einstein is one of my favorite TV series to watch. Mm. It's like something that I come back to watch all the time. Now, if you, and I mean, the book tells a story itself, but the dramatism helps for a lot of who can read, right? So I'm yeah. just saying that if you can read, go can read the thing and it's very intriguing. So you'll enjoy it, I hope. Yeah. But one of the things that you will find for a very long time is that the people who have become successful, they've always viewed education out of its conventionality because the conventional education as good as it is, it's not for everyone. And that's something that I have come to conclusion. It's not for everyone, but what we need to do very well is to to teach people how to think. No matter what, we need to teach people how to think. And I have been struggling with this for years. And I think that ultimately, one of the things that I think that I would do that would be most influential is to find, is to write a book or do something that can teach people a very simple way to build a thought process, a framework that can guide their life. Because I think that's one of the greatest gifts you can give to anybody. Because all the problems that we are in is just because we are people who outsource their thinking to other people. People who are not able to think for themselves. And that is what education really is. When you go to school, you are building the foundations of thought to the extent where you can become an independent thinker. So when we say problem solving, problem solving is not any complicated thing. Problem solving is there is a wall be- behind you, be- um, in front of you, and you need to overcome it. What do you do? Your mind starts kicking in and the vast experiences that you have leads you to take the next action. And while experience is good, I think that the most powerful thing kind of education can do, you, it gives you the tools. So, how I think about it is this way that knowledge, right? Education is processes, tools, and then the knowledge. So, for example, someone can go to medical school for six years and then they teach them all the brilliance, they become a doctor, they are qualified. But the truth is that they can never teach you enough for all the complications that exist in the world. It's just not possible because it's just gonna become this crazy, all of that. Now you need to use the framework of the tools that you have to now put those knowledge into the toolbox. If you put that knowledge into the toolbox and you start using your tools on it, you realize, okay, well, even though I know this is how it is done in this particular case, when you think, when you do this and you do this, I think there are more chance of success. success. And so we have a thinking toolbox that are help us in different scenarios because that's unfortunately we, our education as it is right. It would be perfect if our world was predictable. Okay. If we had, if we knew what was going to happen tomorrow, our education system is perfect. Like we don't <laughs> even have to worry because you are taught in school that oh one plus one is two. You are just expecting one plus one, and it's going to be one plus one. And you say it's two. Like it will be perfect, but the fortunate thing is that the life is so unpredictable that what we, what we are learning tomorrow, what we are learning today is going to turn out in some and such a different way that we are not expecting that we need to have a thinking process that can use the tools that we, the knowledge that we have to go over it. And that's what is missing in education. I mean, I don't, I don't, I won't sit here and see that I'm a better thinker or whatever, but when I see people, they struggle to make the very simplest decision in their lives. That's the problem. They struggle to make the very, very simple decisions in their life. And that affects their rates of success. That's what I see. Like, if you are somebody who, like me, likes to talk to people, I see people struggle with the very simplest of decisions because they don't have the tools to kind of put together all the things they are seeing and say, okay, this is what to do. They are overwhelmed. Most people are overwhelmed with the experiences that come at them, the information that come at them every day, and they lack a toolbox to group them, to analyze them, to synthesize them, and then to make a decision. And I think that is how our education should be focused. We should forget about all of these things. It is very important that we teach people to code, but... I have seen so many people who have gone to school for four years and cannot do anything with their computer science degrees because the the knowledge is there but when they come out of school they see that wow the problems in the world they have changed and the knowledge can't fit anymore but they can't think they can't think how do we revise our notes to meet that problems that's what i'm saying our education system would be so great if the world was static and not evolving but the world is constantly evolving and the only way to be able to beat it is to think in in accordance in that evolution and that's something that we are missing education i don't have the answers to that problem yet but to me that is what it is and we education has not transformed in a very long time we need to find a way to do that we just need to find a way to do that um i was telling you about how for example the mentors of um even in present the time, there are a lot of mentorship that does that. So for me, and I've seen that work, I don't know, I don't know the science behind mentorship. But I it works. If you're around a certain group of people who think a certain way, it wraps off you. And it's difficult for me to understand the science behind it. But if one of us, if each one of us, because I don't know the answers to it, if the rudimentary thing we can do is that each one of us, who say they are doing better in the thinking department, in the education department, can just take some other person and just mentor them. I see that people, it just wraps off them. That is why, for example, I feel like it's beyond the school. It's more like a cultural thing. Because you know our people in Africa would spend all our lives... Now they're the coming, they coming
1: to the this- school.
2: Yeah. They will be lazy and all of that. They suddenly come to Europe and their perspective has changed. Not because they went to university when they went there, but the environment, something. it does something to them. So we need to think about it like I'm not, I don't have the answers. But from my experience, if one person, each one of us, is finding a way to surround ourselves with people who are not as good as us,
1: it just eventually wraps up them. Wow. When you talk about uh, many people do not are not able to make simple decisions. I don't know about Ghana. Okay, so mm-hmm. I, I won't. Uh, I will uh, assume. Mm-hmm. But with uh, at least two of the major tribes in Nigeria that I know, in our, my culture, we are taught respect for elders is very, very important. Mm-hmm. And I agree it is, but I think we overdo it to the extent that, You bring a problem beyond the knowledge of the elders, okay? And then you are waiting for the elders who do not know anything about that problem to guide you to solve it. Exactly. To validate you even in the first place. Okay. So what, what I see is that many young people have been taught to follow the direction of their parents or their uncles or their aunties. So when they have a problem, they run to auntie, they run to uncle, they run to their parents. Even though the problem they have is a modern problem, the parents or uncles do not have Information about it, and they can they can help you. Yes, that won't. Okay. Secondly, you mentioned that uh, we need to learn how to think. That, see, that's why I have this: think big for Africa. Yeah see ability to think the ability to think it's fundamental for to success of any any kind exactly exactly okay. now you may take the wrong de- de- decision six Out of 10. But as long as you have the ability to think, when you find out that you have made a mistake, you have the ability to rethink and correct it.
2: You know, (laughs) the reason why I'm keeping on in my head is that just a few days ago, I was giving that similar analogy that the best coaches in the world are the ones that are able to make in-game substitutions and changes while the match is going on. Yeah. So we always like to say that learn from your failures. And I'm like, "Mm, if you have to wait to fail every time and learn from it, it might be too late for you. You need to be able to learn through the failures, not from them after they've happened. That's one of the things that is very important, like you said, to be able to be that kind of coach, right? Like because you're coaching your life, so you understand that you are making the substitutions in real time because you are seeing the chaos happening but you know that these are the things that's what people cannot do people cannot make adjustments right within the time and they get suffocated in it and they drown and 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 that's it because failure is going to come that that one is like constant. it's one of the most constant things yeah in life it's one of the most constant things you're going to face it but if you have the tools to be able to make adjustments, you always go through it. And that is it. Uh, and, 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 and that comes even beyond thinking some of them like resilience, for example, it's a very important skill in life because when the difficulties come and they would come, how do you hold on tight so that you can pass through the storm and have that resilience? But at the core, it starts because even when you are resilient, It's all about your next step. You can be resilient enough to endure, but if you don't know your next step to take, your resilience will not be able to amount to much. So I really agree with that sentiment. It's like that. It's about the coach who makes in-game substitutions and able to see what the other team is doing and make changes that would affect the game. Because if you always
1: have to wait till the game has
2: ended, you've lost your three points
1: and that's it. Yeah. See, uh, when it comes to education, education, Yes, we need we need to make a lot of uh, adjustments in our education educational in, in institutions uh, from this from the from the primary school secondary school we need to make a lot of uh, adjustments. Uh, but see, when it comes to thinking, uh, I think. Uh, one of the things I learned uh, from my father, um, uh, he he was um he, he's a well he was because he doesn't practice actually he used to teach history, and uh, he loved uh, philosophy. So, uh, as a as a a teenager, a young teenager, we used to do this. Uh, was it called? Socrates' paralog game. There, so, yeah, Yeah, I think so. Socrates' paralog game. You see, it's it's logic, you know. When he asks a question, and then I, you I, you answer with with logic, you know, all, all that. See, logic and science are the best tools. Uh, they, they use the, well, logic will teach you how to think, okay, and argue your point. And uh, that's what science uses, okay? That methodical, methodical exactly. process. Exactly, See, exactly. these are the things- but you, you know that, do you know that, do you know that, I'm sorry to cut you, do you know
2: that the average university student in Africa
1: has not come to this conclusion
2: well,
0: the one that you well, are come to now
1: I, have. I, I, I learned uh, it. I learned it at home as a, as a 13-year-old boy from my exactly. father. Yes and exactly. you see the point I was making about the mentorship. that
2: is why we need to take people be on, under our wings and just teach them, right and just teach them because this argument that you are making it's a very simple thing that science didn't come out of the air. No, science is not any really complicated thing. Science is just a method. People like, I feel like people don't get that. People don't get that science is a method. It's a method of thinking basically. And the method says that to be able to think around these sets of problems, you need to start from point one, go to point two, point three. That is it, it's not a big deal. So how do we build internal thought processes? So for most people, it comes down to when when there's a problem, what do you do? What is your step one? What is your step two, step three? Obviously, it's in your life, you wouldn't go back and say, right, step one. But it has to be internalized so that when it happens, your systems start kicking in and it's working because that's it. Unfortunately, uh,
1: uh, when you tell people to read philosophy, for, for example, uh, a lot letter- of a lot of our people have uh, negative uh, influence from philosophy. Okay. Uh, they think uh, anything philosophy is against their religious belief. Uh, I, it's unfortunate. Uh, see, our, our people do not even want to try out things or even understand what they it is before a lot of the a lot of us will push it aside and mm-hmm. that's 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 another another topic i, I don't want to, us to go to, through because uh, it's a big one okay yeah. it's a big one but it's it's, a, it's it's a big issue holding our people back from learning the things they need to learn I don't know uh, how, how we get around it is uh, it's one of one of our big big issues we, we need to face, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Isaac, what's what, what is your advice to fellow Africans to help them contribute their quotas to their to develop to develop their communities? Um,
2: (laughs) One of the things that I hate to reference because it's a very old theory, but it comes out very importantly is Maslow. You know, Maslow talks about how we as human beings, and even Freud, Freud talks about how human beings are, we always kick back to our basic instinct. And so the average human being wants to have food. The average human being wants to have sex. Those are motivations that are instinctual. And I always say that we live in a very polarized world where there are, multiple viewpoints about a lot of things. (laughs) But no matter our viewpoint, we can't beat, we can't beat biology. You can't can't beat biology and you can't beat evolution, you can't beat history. No, you can't. Like no matter how social revolutionist you want to be, those things, they will fight back. Because they they were here billions of years before you came. And our existence cannot change that. I'm bringing up that because most people will not be able to make any change because they don't have their basic needs. Hmm. And even when they have their basic needs, you have to fix yourself before you can fix anybody else. That's something that you have to understand. Like you have to grow to become that person, right? Where you have a certain kind of, people disagree with this by the way, but this is also the viewpoint of Jordan Peterson who is also a very controversial figure. Oh, so you know, Um, Jordan Peterson, okay. Yes, that's yes. interesting. Um, I mean fine but yes me too me too. <laughs> so um, by the way I, I have I have had email correspondences with Jordan Peters. Oh that's so. good. that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. <laughs> um, so what I would like to say to the average young person, I don't know whether the, the person is that listening to me is that if you are unfortunate enough, to live in an environment where your basic needs are difficult to find. I think that there is one equalizer. The one equalizer is ambition. Okay. It's not even thoughts. It's not thoughts. I don't think it's not taught because like I, I think that for the most part, you need to be socialized into thinking. But I don't think ambition, you need to be socialized into ambition. I think it's a choice. I think ambition is a choice. And so what I would like to say to any person is to choose ambition. I think that when you choose ambition, although it's a very difficult path, when you choose ambition, your entire viewpoint of the world changes. You you build strength, you build muscle to to face the world. jordan peterson again will say that like to like it it will in actually cow young in cow young it's like facing the demon right choosing ambition is to like face the demon right that is the um forgotten but that is the, the 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 archetype the archetype is that most people don't do that most people. Don't face the demon. Most people are looking for like soft life in our mm-hmm. in our in our in our balance. Now,
0: mm-hmm.
2: like most people don't want to do the difficult thing, but the best thing that you can do in your life, for me, I think, is to choose the difficult part, especially if you come from underprivileged backgrounds, because choosing the difficult parts, for me, builds your character, elevates your. It's, 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 it's the fastest way to solve growth. And if you care about bringing people out of poverty, um, choosing ambition is what is going to allow you to build the frameworks that other people can easily build on. Like, think about the dango taste that we have. Yeah, Their generations are not going to be poor because obviously dango taste Grandfather was at a point some of the big uh, richest people, but that's my point. Basically, when we build the foundations, our generations are going to make it easier. You're going to give them a more easier route. So, choosing ambition is what I would like to. Do. Because the reason why I'm saying this is that the average young person now is ch- wants to choose the easiest way
1: to success. That's that's what and the, I don't that, think it works. That's what that's what unfortunately. That's what the, the world preaches. Mm-hmm. Okay? And when those people who, cho- who choose an easy life, then when they, they don't achieve that, then they blame someone. Mm-hmm. Then it must be the fault of someone not themselves it must be the fault of that person because he has power it must be the fault of that person because he's from a rich family it must be the fault of that person see that's that's One thing I see in the West that Africa cannot afford, that that ideology of wanting things easy, the truth is that the matter is that nothing, nothing worthwhile comes easy. Okay, so if Africa that is still at the bottom trying to crawl its way out, if the people choose easy life, that means they will stay down in the dungeons for longer. Very long time. Yeah. So I agree with, with you, ambition. Okay, if more people choose ambition and work to achieve those things they they want, yes, on the on the path, on their path, they will affect people around them. A
0: lot of people, exactly. A lot of
1: people around
2: and, them. I, and I think that's I think that's the way to live life. You you need to live life to expand your territory, like it, you, you, your life should be able to affect more people. And the w- only way to do that is by choosing to do the, the difficult things in life. Exactly. Like, yes, yes, you can live a life where you are basically cruising to it, taking decisions where you're not going to be affected. Like all the things that are going to the world, you know, it, it doesn't touch you, it doesn't affect you, but you will live your life. And I feel like at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you won't feel fulfilled. And I feel like you would be very fulfilled if you took a very live corporate as um this poet, um the the road hardly taken, um written oh out. okay. This guy, uh, lord um ooh, what's his name? I have the book,
1: uh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember yeah. his name up there.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, so you know that, that's, end, that, I that's a, a great book. I, I recommend yeah. see the the it's called uh The Road Less Traveled, uh, in. yeah. yeah. Less traveled. The the yeah. road less traveled. Uh, it's a it's a fantastic book. I recommend it to anyone. See, it's so yeah. so so essentially people should take the road less traveled. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Isaac, it's uh, 2022, in the next 20, 30 years, what kind of Africa do you want to see?
2: Um, Let me answer this realistically. But the question is, what do you want to see? So I have to be optimistic.
1: Um, <laughs> well, maybe um, I am I, I, a optimistic person.
2: Yeah, I see, I, I, am, I think that I'm not one of the most optimistic people you ever meet. Okay. But because I'm an entrepreneur, I back that with pragmatism. Okay. okay. Because as an entrepreneur, if you lose sight of the reality that's happening now, no matter your optimism, you are going to fail. Okay, so you need to back that up with pragmatism. In the next 20 years, 30 years, optimistically, I would wish that Africa had the turn that China took, which basically took 20 years, also, right? Like, not 20 years exactly, but at least, you know, from the 90s,
1: well, we saw that Africa, Africa. Africa has been on the path from the late 70s. 70s, yes.
2: Yes. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, so technology is something that can lead progress, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, we need to fix internet. So we need to find a way to fix internet. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah, more people get internet, more people get access to knowledge. But as I've said before, I don't value knowledge as much as other people do. I value thinking the frameworks and the tools to use the knowledge. You can have all the knowledge in the world and still not be able to think. People, I think that's a, there's a huge difference between that. We need to find ways to be to know how to do with the knowledge so that when they get that knowledge, they know what to do with it. Mm. But I want to see the turnaround that China had in Africa, optimistically. The only thing is China did that under communist rule and they did that under a... Uh, a unit. Africa, neither practice communism, neither are we a unit, as you've said, right? We have all these tribal, tribes and all of that. So I don't know how you're going to do that.
0: I really <laughs> it's, don't know. it's
2: impossible. Um,
1: except except, yeah. <laughs> to, except we, we, we beat everybody in shape, and that would be exactly. disastrous.
0: Yeah, yeah. You see, <laughs> I mean,
1: I mean, I understand you very much, Like, You know, some <laughs> of the things you
2: can't say out loud, but I understand what you are saying. Um, but, I mean, you asked the question about what I think will happen, and I, yes. I hope that is what I, I... know it won't happen, but I wish it will happen. Well, it, it, was it, could, it, it could happen. It could happen. Um, but, the, I mean, the pathway to that is going to be very difficult, very, very challenging. But I like to, you know... When I'm asked questions like that, I like to just think about what I personally would do and not worry so much about what is going to happen to the continent as a whole, because I feel like if I succeed, and this might be a little optimistic and this is where maybe my optimism fails me, but I feel like if I succeed, I will be able to, make a lot, of, a, a lot of impact at, a, at a Pan African level, if I succeed. And so I would rather be more concerned about doing the things that I can control. I can control my decisions, my life, right? I can't control the, 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 the lives of 1 billion Africans. <laughs> and so it's very difficult to challenge that. But I know that every single day, I know that if I work hard enough, if I'm also obviously lucky enough, I could build a multi-billion dollar company. And if I build a multi-billion dollar company, I could employ thousands of people. If I become that rich, I could leverage my power to make institutional changes in government.
1: Ooh. So those na, are na, now. Now this is, this is the, the, the part. See, Isaac, we need to we need to talk again because you have you have I, you have said some things that we need to talk about more see what you said as an entrepreneur as a billionaire entrepreneur having the power to affect policy at a country level see This is the thing that I will tell you, we don't want for powerful, rich people to be able to do. Yeah. So, because if you can do that, who says in 10 10 years after that you will be one deciding who will be the president, who will be the chief judge. Hello. And that's what, what we, we don't want to do. See, uh, we, we actually want a society where yes, entrepreneurs can be very successful, be able to build a billion, multi-billion dollar companies, that will affect the society, create jobs, create solutions for for problems, live a lavish lifestyle if they choose. But then we don't want them, those people to be able to control the government.
2: So so here's what I have to say about that. Um, I get your point, but I think that now you are moving towards more idealism. What <laughs> you are saying is an idea, but you are, you are being idealistic, but not pragmatic. Because we both know the reality is rich people control nations. That is a fact. Whether no, we like
1: it see, you, or not. You said that I, I disagree. In the West... The well, West. well,
2: well, that's how I.
1: Well, okay. Well, but in see, the West, in the they, West, they, they, right, they, in the West, they don't. In the West. They, they are trying to, okay. They are trying to, okay. But they don't. Um, I, I, well,
2: I would say that the collective power of those few individuals yeah. are huge. Yeah, and, of course, and. In a lot of ways, they change a lot of ways that human beings behave and think. Yes, right.
1: But not by controlling the government, they control the yeah, individuals yeah. by so, their, so their, when their I, actions.
2: So, yeah. So I mean, I do not wish to necessarily control governments. That That's not the end. <laughs> but for me, what I'm trying to say is that power and influence is very important. And from the I, again, this is my worldview, right? i built this worldview from everything I've seen in the world. Okay. And then I've made a decision that this is a part of that. So I'm probably wrong, mm. but I'm probably right. Ooh. Who knows? Yeah. But my worldview has, has taught me that. You're oh, going to be a looter. No, no, no. My worldview has taught me that. influence is very important in the world. Yeah. But it has also taught me that. The people who are rich and powerful, they care about some things. And so, if the people who are rich and powerful in the world they care about democracy,
1: they are going to support democracy. Yeah, but, but we, we don't we don't need them to be able to influence things. Okay? Yes, I'm coming.
2: I'm, I'm, look, look, uh, if they care about strip clubs, they are going to invest Give in more. strip clubs. Yes. No, th- that's how it happens. For me. The pragmatic way, and I get your idealism, and I share. I share with it I just don't believe that is going to happen. So, for me, the pragmatic way is that I find myself in the club where the game is being played, and I I am able to play the game according to my own rules, and also do the things I care about, so that. If I care about education, I have a billion dollars to actually solve it. Because the problem is not that there's not enough money in the world. The people in Arab with their oil money, they can change a lot of things. But you know what they care about? They care about buying football clubs. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But you can't stop them from buying football clubs. Yeah. So that, that can comes, complain that's that That's oh, the. Exactly that's, com- that's commerce. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So what do you care about? If I care about education and I'm yeah. rich enough, yeah, that yeah. to I would like yeah. invest in that.
1: And now my difference is this. If you mm-hmm. say you do what you care about, you care about education, you care about health, you care about this. You, and then you put your money into those things, perfect.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, but yeah, if you care about politics, you put your money in there too. Well, if you care about
2: see, that no, and that—that's no. that, that's where we disagree. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, because you are being more idealistic. Rich people <laughs> put their money in politics all the time, mm. and whether you whether whether it's a bad thing or not, I'm not. I'm not focused on whether it's a bad thing or not. I'm focused on is that a thing people do. Okay. Yes, people do it. Okay. How do you solve it? You don't solve it by argumentation. To be honest, that is where argumentation doesn't solve the problem. <laughs> what solve the problem is competition. What solve the problem is competition. That's where I think. Like, what solve the problem is competition. So that if and I'm going to go political now, if there are a couple of billionaires behind article in Nigeria, right? But they say Peter Obi is a is a guy who can really change the photo of Ghana Nigeria. They're going to invest their money in Peter Obi. Do you get my point? And make sure that he has the ass because whether we want to believe it or not, the reality is that politics is money. Somebody has to be investing in that guy. Well, see who is that person.
1: Ne- the next time you are on this podcast, all these things you just brought up today, we would we will de- mm-hmm. we'll, we'll <laughs> talk about them. All right. So so so. Uh, Isaac, it's, it's been a wonderful time. Uh, you, you've, you've talked about so many things that uh, young Africans need to listen to and think about, you know? And that's, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. So let's finish, let's, let's finish this by you telling my audience where they can find your podcast.
2: Yeah, so the name of the podcast is Change Africa Podcast. Yeah. And as I said, we have one hour conversational style like this with inspiring Africans all over. You can find Change Africa Podcast anywhere you get your podcast. So any podcast app. We just said Change Africa Podcast. Yes, I found I found, I found it on, on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. Spotify, Google Play. Um, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, yeah. everywhere, everywhere. All right. Isaac. Yeah. So th- I want to thank I want to thank um, you for, again, for bringing me to the podcast. It's been a very wonderful conversation. I'm usually the one who's asking the question. <laughs> today, and I've, I've gotten to express myself too. And I really appreciate it. Thank and you. Thank you, for thank you very much.
1: And, um, hopefully we can have more conversations in the future. Good, good, good. Thank you very much. Guys, we're out. Bye.
0: Listen or watch more episodes of Think Big for Africa podcast with new guests every week. Subscribe to ensure that you are notified whenever new episodes are available.